Welcome back to Mouthpiece. I'm Savage Dan. I'm Poi, the magic man, Malanaji. As always, remember, like, comment, subscribe. You're going to hear me say it over and over again. Um, but let's get straight into it this week because it is a special one. Josh Taylor beats Ramirez to become the undisputed unified fighter at 140. Um, and do you know what? I, I wasn't aware that he is only the fifth fighter in history to be the champion of all four bo- of all four belts. Yeah, yeah. ESPN actually had that stat. I think they had uh, six guys, um, but I'm not. Uh, but he's actually the second one at 140 pounds. Ter- Terrence Crawford did it as well, you know. So uh, very recently, so he's the second uh, super lightweight to do the, to accomplish this feat. Um, it was going to be accomplished either way, even if Ramirez won the fight on Saturday. So uh, the winner of that fight became the second fighter to unify the 140 pound division in all four in, in the four belt era. Uh, I, I, th- I felt the fight didn't disappoint. I felt like they f- they both fought a really good fight, um, and uh, it was a really high skilled, uh, good pace, uh, high skilled uh, and uh, entertaining fight. Why do you think there's only been five or six undisputed champions? Is it is there so much politics in boxing that yeah, champions yeah. don't get to fight champions? Yeah, at the end of the day, there's promotional rivalries, the network rivalries that prevent fights from happening and unifying, right? Then there are um, situations where champions have to fight mandatories and the, the mandatories are sometimes the, the governing body will, the, the sanctioning body will make an exception with the mandatory and sometimes they'll say, no, you have to fight the mandatory or you get stripped. So that prevents it. And sometimes there's just a good old ducking. You know, that sometimes it's just, they just don't want to fight. They just avoid uh, the the unification, you know, and uh, the fighters themselves avoid it. So, so uh, it's uh, it's it's a little bit of uh, politics and a little bit of uh, you know uh, maneuvering as well. You know, uh, sometimes it dep- it's 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 circumstantial either way. But um, I was really really pleased with the fight. Uh, Josh Taylor is 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 uh, terribly terribly underappreciated. I yeah. cannot believe the UK yeah. didn't have a TV for this fight. I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, shame on the UK yeah. TV networks for doing that to Josh Taylor. That is unbelievable. I mean, w- when was the last time the UK had a four belt world champion uh, or a chance for the U- or a chance for the UK to have a fighter going into a fight to come out with all four world titles exactly. and become the other well, we, we, Hopefully we'll have that in the heavyweight division. At some time yeah. Soon. But I mean, but the UK, right. but the UK, right. but the UK right. will will televise that. The UK yeah. will televise the heavyweight fight. How do you do that to Josh Taylor? That's I'll crazy. Tell you why. That's it's absolutely because ludicrous. I've said it for a while. Um, I remember saying it around six months ago. I, I thought Josh Taylor, for me, uh, him alongside it was Callum Smith at the time, and just before he got beat by by Canelo, were the two uh, best British fighters right now, for uh, of my opinion. Uh, I was at the Progray fight. And it was, technically, it was beautiful. It was two fighters, really good thinking fighters um, that still want to whip in mean shots and, and, and have a tear yeah. up, but it's so skilled and it's all about time and they stayed mid-range for the whole yeah. fight. I actually, I actually, going into the Progray fight, felt Progray was going to beat him, you know? Yeah. So he actually uh, even surprised me. And Taylor really, I feel like, is an improving fighter. He's a fighter who's getting better and better. And for me, honestly, for me, he's the best Scottish fighter they've ever had. You know, for me, for me personally, best I British? He's better than Cam Buchanan. Uh, best British, uh, you know, that's uh, now you're opening the table to a lot, you know. But um, it's, uh, you know, I mean, then you can if you start going with best British, I mean, you can start going all the way to to who's the guy that beat Ray Robinson. Um, 
uh, I forget his name. They got the uh, oh man, that's ter- I'm, I'm terrible. I can't believe I'm forgetting this guy's name. He beat Ray Robinson. Um, I know who you're talking about, but I don't know yeah. the name. And I'm gonna say I, I, around I, four names. I, before you guys I are gonna his. kill me at home. You get your fans, and I and you know what? I deserve it for uh for uh for it's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, um, I feel like uh, Josh Taylor is is right now the best fighter in British boxing, and yeah. the fact that <laughs> that that they didn't even give him a, a a TV slot for his unification is absolutely appalling, appalling to me, appalling. Mm-hmm. And he was going in the fight as the favorite, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, it was a 50-50 fight, but he's going. He, he's that. So it's not like the odds makers don't know this guy's good. I mean, he went into this fight as the odds-on favorite to win the fight, and he won it. But I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm terribly, terribly. I suppose it goes you know, back to what we've been covering for the last few weeks, Paulie. When, when we're talking about it's almost profile. Is more important than skill set, and more important than than achievements at the moment in boxing. I mean, I'm not yeah. sure what more you have to do to be in a British all-time uh, yeah, best but, fighter list. But, you, you've just won every your, belt there is to win. But but Dan, to build your profile, I mean, you 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 need the TV networks to build it. Kind of, yeah. you need their help to yeah. build it for you too. You know, this guy won the Super Six or whatever it's yeah. called, the the World Super, World Series of yeah, Boxing, it was the whatever Trophy. the whatever yeah. the tournaments they call these tournaments now. I mean, that was a very tough tournament. He beat Baranchik, he beat Progre, yeah. and now he's beating Ramirez. I mean, Ramirez was not even in that that tournament. So to yeah. me, honestly, for me, and Ramirez is no slouch, but for me, Josh Taylor took the tougher road to get to this point, mm-hmm. and then also beat Ramirez. Because Ramirez not being in that tournament uh, it had it a little bit easier. Not to say he had it too easy because, you know, the Maurice Hooker win is a good win. He's yeah. fought Amir Mama. He, total respect to Jose Ramirez, by the way. I felt uh, I felt real bad for him uh, in the post-fight interview in the, in the dressing room when I, that I saw after on um, on the post-fight coverage. You know, I could see he was really dejected. But this kid is a class act, lives an exemplary uh, lifestyle, um, and, and is a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter himself. And I'll tell you what. I actually like when I see guys kind of dejected, even even breaking down and crying after losses, because to me that means that they are super competitors. You know, like when you take that much disappointment to heart after losing a fight, you are an extreme competitor. And yeah. I feel like we all go through that at a certain point, and then it kind of leaves us. It kind of the the, the enthusiasm and passion for what we do kind of leaves us, and it becomes just strictly about business. But at yeah. first. You have that insane competitiveness. And when I saw uh, Ramirez kind of dejected after the fight, he looked like he was going to break down in the, in the dressing room when the, the ESPN announcers were talking to him. I felt like, wow, even though this guy has already won two world title belts um, and has, has achieved this much, he still got that fueling, burning desire yeah. that he so badly wanted to win that he's absolutely gutted that he's lost this fight. And and he's got nothing to be ashamed of for me. I think Jose Ramirez will be back. I look forward to seeing him back, and I think he's going to become a world champion again, and uh, deservedly so. He's a phenomenal fighter. But um, having said that, Josh Taylor was extremely, extremely impressive. I mean, I love the way he changes range, changes levels, consistently does it, and he's able to punch off of all that as well. Real hard to hit, real smooth operator in there, fast hands. Um, I felt Kenny Bayless was kind of sleeping in the fight. Um um, and I, at one time, I thought Kenny Bayless was the best referee in boxing. But, uh, you know, in years recent, recent years, I felt like he's uh, been a little bit off. Uh, maybe it's the age. Maybe, you know, sometimes maybe so maybe referees get worn out, too. You know, and they, mm-hmm. <laughs> they work too many fights. Yeah. Uh, ever since uh, he worked at uh, Mayweather-Maidana rematch, where he absolutely was breaking them every, every single second. He wouldn't give Maidana a chance to work. I felt like 
ah, you know what? I, I kind of, I, I, it was starting to become the first or second times where I remember not really being enthused with the way he refed it. And even. Was it a tough know, fight to ref? Was it a tough. Because it, I, I noticed I mean, that. It wasn't, a, sometimes... it, it wasn't a crazy tough fight to ref. Here's two things that I didn't like, okay? I'm going to tell you the two things personally that I didn't like. Yeah. Everybody's talking about the, the push off Josh Taylor had with the knockdown, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't necess- I don't have a problem with Josh Taylor bumping off because that's part of inside boxing, okay? Mm-hmm. But what I do have a problem with is, is Bayless. He, like half-heartedly looking to break them there. Yes, like he's exactly. about to step in, yes. and then he doesn't step in. I'm sure you know, and you can see his hands. Uh, did he even tap, his, did yeah. he tap someone? Yeah, his hands yeah. are there, but you got to be a boss in there if you're a ref, yeah. and this, especially in this kind of fight. So, you know, they're working in there. I mean, Ramirez should have been more alert inside. He should have. And I don't think it was illegal what Taylor did because uh, the, you're a lot the, the, all those little bump-offs happen all the time in boxing. Yeah. But... Like Ramirez, uh, Bayless could have confused Ramirez slightly by touching him and and kind of you know making like he was about to break them and then not doing it, you know. So you either do it or you don't. You can't have hardly do something like yeah. that. Secondly, I had a problem with after both knockdowns, he's pushing back Taylor constantly. He's pushing back Taylor more than he's pushing Ramirez back on the breaks. He's preventing Taylor from getting to him. Even after the initial knockdown when Taylor's coming in for the finish, both times he's pushing Taylor all the way back, and then Taylor goes back, and he continues to push him back. It reminded me of Alfred Azaro when he did that to Gerald McClellan, when McClellan was trying to knock out Nigel Ben in round one, that Azaro just wouldn't let McClellan go in for the finish. He kept pushing him back, and then he'd say, step back, push back. Yo, I'm trying to finish the guy here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like the, the fight, you know, the fight's almost over, and he kept pushing and pushing and pushing him back, and eventually Ben was able to get out of the first round and we saw the disaster that that created later in the fight but it reminded me of the way he was pushing back uh, Taylor when Taylor was trying to go for the finish after the two knockdowns. It reminded me a lot of Alfred Azaro in that way, too. He was pushing Taylor back, and then Taylor would step back and then was looking to come back in for the finish, and he pushed him back again. Bro, what are we doing over here? The count is over. I don't have to stay in the neutral corner. The count is over already. I'm, I'm here because the count is over. If I'm if you're, I'm still counting, okay. I'm, you're still counting. I have to be in the neutral corner. The count is over. You're about to put us back in. Why do you keep pushing us back? This is not an amateur fight. This is a pro fight. And, and Kenny knows that because Kenny has worked a lot of pro fights, and he's been a great referee in the past. Do you think that's him overcompensating for the fact that he knows deep down that he had, even if it's a small part to play, he had a tiny part to play in that second knockdown? Possibly, but he did it in the first knockdown too. So I, I would, I would, I might go with that. But he he did it on both knockdowns. He did it on the counter left hand. By the way, a sweet that was a sweet counter left hand yeah. um, by by Taylor on, the, on that night. first knockdown. Uh, yeah, he was because he, he was backed into the corner. So Ramirez yeah. rightfully is trying to get more aggressive and throw a power right hand. But nice slick. That's what I mean about about uh, Taylor. He's able to defend with his range, changing range with his legs. He's always so well balanced, so yeah. well balanced. And then he also has this up and down of change, change of level that he does yes. very, very, yeah. very well. Yeah. All the while, and he also can change distance as he changes his level too. He can do both of those at the same time at, at times. And then, of course, he's got a, a, a catch and shoot, really good catch and shoot, where a lot of times he'll block and just, he'll fire hooks, yeah. he'll fire uppercuts off the catch. So I remember Teddy Atlas years ago talking about your your your, mo- your your modes of defense, right? You have your legs, you have blocking, and you have and you have slipping and sliding or, or countering. You know, so and honestly. Legs and blocking can't really be used at the same time. It kind of can, but, but you know, you can't really punch off of it if you're moving. But when you set yourself, when you block and punch, you know, catch and shoot, you know, you can, you're able to translate that, that defense into offense. Because what you want to be able to do always, anytime, any kind of way you're defending, you want to always give yourself an option to be able to punch off the defensive maneuver. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Taylor ha- creates, always creates that option, whether he uses it or not. 
He always creates that option for himself because he's so well balanced and he's so well positioned, uh, uh, both with his hands and 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 his and his legs. Terrific, terrific fundamentals there yeah. by Josh Taylor. And then, of course, he's, you bring the natural gifts to it, which is the natural speed. Um, he's got his intelligence with his shot selection. Really, really good because I felt like Ramirez early on was really pressing it, and I thought that he was going to start giving uh, 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 Taylor a lot of problems. And then it wasn't until the knockdowns where Ramirez kind of lost that steam, and afterwards. I felt Taylor controlled the fight a little bit better. But uh, a really good fight. Uh, uh, big, big props to both of these guys. Uh, really disappointed this fight wasn't talked about more uh, and it wasn't shown in the UK. But um, terrific, terrific props to these guys. They, they both, they're both phenomenal, phenomenal fighters and, 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 and guys that I look forward to watching in the future. I look forward to Jose Ramirez returning in the future. I'd like to see something like, you know, guys that, that, that were. Taylor B fight each other. For example, I'd love to see Ramirez and Progre. I think yeah. that would be a great fight. I think it would be an amazing fight. You know, um, I think uh, Tofimo Lopez is on his way to 140 pounds soon. You know, he's going to join this mix. I think it's amazing. Josh Taylor and Crawford. You know, I think that I don't think that's a bad fight. I think both of those guys are the, last, are the two guys that, that unified the four belt era, the world championships in the four belt era at 140 pounds. They've both done it very, very recently. Taylor obviously just did it over the weekend, yeah. and honestly. I feel like while I would while I would favor slightly Crawford at this moment in this fight, I already underestimated Taylor with the Progray fight and he beat Progray. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked no matter who wins the fight. But if I had to pick, I'd say okay, I'd favor Crawford. I feel like he has a little bit more versatility. Yeah. It's a little bit more athleticism to him, and he, and he knows how to use it to his advantage. But nonetheless, I do say that. Taylor's road to unifying 140 pounds was a more difficult one than Terrence Crawford's road to unifying 140 pounds. And for that reason, I think it still makes for another subject matter to be discussed in the topic. But they're both signed with top rank. This is a fight that probably gets made, and I look forward to it. So would you say Josh Taylor's next move is to go to 147? If, if, if he Not necessarily that he's chasing the, the, the Crawford fight, but would you stay at 140 and wait for the likes of Tiafimo and, and Haney to come up for you? Or would you go and chase 147? Personally, um, and I'm not saying this is the right move, but I think there's probably more money in the Crawford fight. And and, I, and at 30 years old, you're probably looking at, you're, you're also uh, considering that as well. Uh, because you're not a spring chicken anymore, but you're still kind of primed, you know? So I feel like the Taylor-Crawford fight can always be made. Crawford-Taylor fight can always be made, and then you can always go back down in case and fight those guys, you know, because the weight's only one, one weight class difference. Um, having said that, they're also both with top rank, and top rank is having trouble finding Crawford, you know, legitimate, mm -hmm. uh, deserving opponents, you know. Um, you know, they tried to build up Kavaliuskis to a certain degree, um, only for then t Crawford to make him look like he didn't belong in the ring with him, you know. Yeah. Um, They've, they've, they're trying to put guys in positions to where they can they can make the Crawford fight because they're not able to, um, you know, build up and, and make that Spence fight because there's so much politics involved on both sides that they need to kind of figure out a way to get Crawford in fights that people will be interested in because Crawford, you know, Crawford might be the best fighter in boxing. You know, he's yeah. definitely in the, in the conversation for the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world. So, so you it's always a challenge to kind of, find this opposition for him that people will feel is deserving. I mean, I, I, w I was looking at the top-ranked Instagram page yesterday, and uh, 
I saw that, you know, they, they posted about Taylor wanting to fight Crawford. And I, I, I don't feel like there should be any negativity towards that. You know, yeah. nothing wrong with wanting to fight that fight. There's nothing wrong with him wanting it specifically because I feel like he deserves to be able to ha- be able to call out Crawford. He's done more than enough yeah. to be able to be deserving of that fight. I saw somebody like Damian. I saw Damian Little, Lillard, who's a uh, I don't know if the UK they know him, but he's a superstar NBA player. You know, he basically left a comment like like this is like Crawford walks through this guy easily. Like, first of all, why are you why are you throwing salt on the fight when the, the fight is a great fight to make? Number one, number two. Do you even see Josh Taylor fight? Have you even seen Josh Taylor fight? That's yeah. the disappointment about all this. Not enough people are talking about Josh Taylor. Yeah. Josh Taylor belongs on the pound for pound list, unequivocally belongs on the pound for pound list, especially at this point. Yeah. And um, and 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 this is a great fight to make. I would expect top rank, especially that they have the contracts on both of them. I would expect top rank to make this fight, and I would be highly surprised if they don't make this fight. Those same people who don't want to watch that fight and are. are they don't know enough about boxing poorly. They probably think Mike Tyson was a but, middleweight. They, they literally yeah, don't know enough. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. But then, what I'm saying is, if you don't like the Taylor fight, what do you like for Crawford? Stop yeah. saying Spence, because yeah. Spence is not happening for yeah. various, various reasons. Not they, to mention Spence has a fight ca- schedule. They want Canelo. Fight. They just want names they recognize. That's it. They yeah. just want anything. Yeah. Fights they don't that even can't happen. Weight class notwithstanding, right? It's yeah. ridiculous. But because in reality... You just made Spence and Pacquiao. So now Spence is busy with this fight. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And Pacquiao always seems to throw a little, it's like a buzzsaw in there who kind of always kind of changes the trajectory of the sport with yeah. with, with a crazy result. Like, you know, he beat Keith Thurman a couple of years yeah. ago, you know, and, and that changed the, the look of the welterweight division. So, so you know, you, you've got Pacquiao in there now. You never know what this guy's going to accomplish or do. Um, uh, so, you know, Either way, if Spencer Spence wins or loses the fight, Spence is busy with that fight. So you've got to start, yeah. you know, looking at what's next for uh, um, for Terence Crawford. I mean, listen, Kel Brook was a nice name, but Kel Brook was past his prime. Amir Khan was a nice name, but Amir Khan was past his prime. You know, Terence Crawford may beat those guys in their primes. Not necessarily saying for sure, because Brook and Khan in their primes were great fighters. But what I'm saying is, you've got to start getting superstar fighters or, or top-level fighters for Terrence in their prime yeah. so that he can also get a chance to be appreciated if he can beat them. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and vice versa. Josh Taylor also start, deserves to start getting some, some credit as well because he's just been on severely unappreciated right now. I mean, yeah. I, I still, again, I will say it again, I, I shame on the UK for not for not getting a TV contract on this fight. This guy is one of your own fighters. And and for me right now, is probably the best fighter from the UK in boxing. Yeah. And that says a lot because the UK has a lot of very good fighters. Well, one thing's for sure, we definitely have a prime Josh Taylor. We can't work out exactly where he ranks amongst all-time British fighters. But for me, he has to get in that top five. I'm not sure what your top five would look like, Paulie. Randy Turpin. I got it. Randy Turpin. <laughs> that was the guy. Randolph Turpin. The guy that beat Ray Robinson. He's so in your Turpin, top five? Turpin probably, you know, might be number one because just on the Ray Robinson win, you know? Yeah. Uh, Turpin is like a, you know, those guys, plus those guys from that era, they're uh, they're legendary to people in people's yeah. eyes, you know? They, they were always, fighting each other every, every week, every two yeah. weeks. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, so, so Turpin is always in the conversation for top, Tops, um, you know, guys like Lennox Lewis are in the conversation yeah. for tops. Um, you know, it's uh, it's you know, then after that, you got you you can kind of mix and match and whatever. There's a lot of you gotta start going into your McClellan, not your clown, your Benz, your Eubanks, uh, your your Michael Watsons, you know, um, yeah, really great rivalry in the 90s. Those uh, guys deserve to be in the conversation. 
Well, I'm guessing they'd have to be a a world champion and and a and a significant enough one. Yeah, I want, and I Josh wonder, Taylor is in the conversation. Yeah, well, Josh, Josh Taylor goes straight on that list. Um, where where does where, does Joshua fit in there? I suppose he's done quite a lot. Joshua and, Joshua and Fury, Joshua and Fury, first in terms of top five all time all time British fighters. Are putting themselves up in a position where only one of them can be there. Yeah. Because you can, you can, because if you're not even the, the best British fighter of your era, you, it's going to be hard to pick you as one of the top five of the all time era of yeah. British fighters, right? So, so they're going to put themselves in a position to where only one of them can be in that in that list anyway. But that doesn't mean that the guy who doesn't wind up on that list is 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 is, is cannon fodder, is is bird fodder. You know, it, that doesn't mean anything. You know, because. Because British boxing has obviously produced a, a ton of super talents, you know, and so yeah. so just because you're not in the top five all time of, of the all time British super talents doesn't mean anything, you know. I think of guys you know, I remember as a kid, uh, Lloyd Hunnigan, Prince Nassim Ahmed uh, yeah. was absolutely one of my all time favorites, you know, uh, Prince Nassim Ahmed, but also Lloyd Hunnigan, exactly, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, it, the conversation you can mix and match names, and you can kind of sit down and, and chat about it get with a the top fellas. Ten, and, 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 yeah. Getting a top yeah. five is difficult. The names yeah. of yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's difficult. It's difficult. Let us know what you think your your top five British fighters of all time is. Um, I guarantee we don't get the same list more than once. It's just too difficult to call. Um, but yeah, especially in the same order, for sure. <laughs> yeah, by 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 my rankings, Josh Taylor has just done enough to go in there, just based off what he's done in the last couple of years, and it may have gone under the radar a little bit, but he has unified a division. And not many people have done that ever before. Um, I mean, he took the O's of the of the three very good fighters: Baranchik, yeah. Progre, yeah. Ramirez. Were all undefeated when he fought them, yeah. and all very very difficult guys to beat, all yeah. on a championship level. That I mean, that is like I said. I, I feel like he unified the 140 pound division in a more impressive way than Crawford did. Even if I if I would slightly favor Crawford and his versatility in a head-to-head -head fight, Sam Egerton also beat Eric Molina for the WBC silver. Um, what do you see? What do you see on the on the horizon for Sam Egerton? I know he's a previous opponent of yours. Seemed yeah, to Sam, hit a bit Sam of a and, dip I ended I ended back. my boxing career. I ended my <laughs> boxing career with Sam. You know, once I once I I, I lost to Sam, I said, you know, it's, I I'm just sick of of trying to rebuild myself back to these positions. And now, if I'm on if I'm losing, on to guys who are not known internationally, I have to kind of reconsider myself. But Sam has really, really done a great job. He is the blue collar, bring your lunch pail kind of, to work kind of guy, you know, and, and he refuses yeah. to say die. He refuses to, to go away. Mm -hmm. And this is the impressive thing about Sam. The impressive thing about Sam is he's constantly counted out. People always kind of count him out and, 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 and he's always back in the mix somehow oh. you know he, he he's up and down i feel like he's got to be more consistent because what i'm noticing about sam is he's got a, a, more lives than a cat but but in reality it's because he's been at this for so long he's a veteran even at a young age yeah. now here's the thing about him though um he's got to he tends to pull off fights that he's not supposed to win or he tends to pull off impressive wins that where people kind of have doubts about him winning but then he'll go and lose a fight where people will expect him to win and mm -hmm. kind of he'll be he'll be back to he'll be back to square one so 
The important thing about for Sam right now is after this win, which is an impressive win, it's uh, Molina is a guy who a lot of guys have stayed away from in, his, in, in Sam's position, but Sam took him head on and beat him. The, the, the thing that Sam has to now be careful with is, once again, not disappointing when he starts to get people to back believing in him. You know, it's like he fights better when people don't believe in him. I remember uh, uh, Eddie Hearn not having much doubt that I would beat Sam at the time. But man, when you're in there and you're getting older and you got this guy who doesn't stop, and he's a big welter. He was a big welter. I was like, man, I was like, you know, eventually this guy was able to, to wear me out. But I remember uh, speaking to John Pegg, his, uh, his trainer, and, 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 and I remember uh, he was able to win the European Championship afterwards. We kept in touch and we're, you know, we're on friendly terms. And, and then Sam got knocked out randomly uh, by, I think, the African kid. I forget his name. It was uh, some kid from Africa. He stopped him, but he stopped him standing up. And I remember I thought about something. I thought about, I told John, I said, he should have learned in round six of the end of my fight when I heard him at the end of round six. And I was just, I knew I had low time left when I heard him. I hit him with a sharp one, too. And I knew I had no time left because I had heard this. You know, when you hear that. Oh, yeah. So I had already heard yeah. that. So it was less than 10 seconds left. So I figured, let me just let my hands go as fast as I can and hope that the referee jumps in and stops this because I don't have enough time to try to, like, dig in and try to yeah. knock him out. Not to mention I was never the strongest guy anyway, punching power-wise. But I had him hurt bad enough to where I could have maybe loaded up a couple of shots, but I didn't mm -hmm. feel like I had enough time to do that. So I started trying to throw my hands as fast as possible. And Sam just kind of took them and didn't hold and just kind of took them. And at the end of the round, you know, was it was was fortunate enough that the bell rang. And then two rounds later, he got me out of there. But I remember thinking, you know, he probably learned to hold in that in that situation. But no, a couple of fights later, he wins the European yeah. fight, title. And then a couple of fights later, this African guy, I forget his name now, but gets him in the same situation where he hurts him. I think it was like only like round two or three. And Sam doesn't hold. But now you're yeah. in the middle of the round. So this guy is punching you and punching you and punching you and punching you. And Sam doesn't go down. Sam's got great legs. He doesn't go down. But, yeah. but the referee has to stop it because you're in the middle of a round. You're not responding and you keep getting hit with a bunch of unanswered punches. So that kind of uh, brought him back down to earth and, and made people stop talking about him. And since then, he's kind of been up and down. But this Molina win, especially coming off the Ted Cheeseman loss, this Molina win is a really important win for Sam because now it kind of puts him back in the conversation. Yeah. You get the WBC silver title, which is a you know relatively prestigious belt. Yeah. It puts you in a good position for more important fights. And now Sam once again has the opportunity. He's with a new promotion. I think he's with Hennessy Sports now. He's got the opportunity now to build off of this. And this is where we've seen him before. We've seen him before with when he, when he beat me and when he won the European title the fight after, and he, and he started to tilt out afterwards. Now he's back here again with some nice wins, with a nice win here. And where does he go? What it, what is it, how is he going to react in his next fight? And that's the thing about Sam Egerton. He's got to now make sure he's old enough now. He's not, a, he's not an old man by any means, but he's old enough now, and he's got more enough maturity and veteran experience now to understand that now... Coming off of a nice big win, he's got to know how to piggyback that into yeah. something better and yeah. not be disappointing uh, in his next performance. And, and, I, and I think he understands that. And, and like I said, he has the experience to know that. And I, and, I, and I look forward to seeing more of him. Hopefully it's onwards and upwards for Sam Eggington. Um, also, UB2 champ uh, Shakan Pitters is back to winning ways after losing his British title to Craig Richards. Um, so well done to him. Right, let's get into the predictions. And this week we have the big one. It's not as easy to predict as people think it is either. Devin Haney against Linares. Um, what are you expecting from that fight? The majority of people are going to expect almost uh, the passing of the torch, if you like, from Linares over to, to Devin Haney. 
But it's, it, he looks good, uh, Lenares. He, he always does when he's hitting pads and when he's training. He always looks fired up. What Are you expecting an upset? Do you think there can be one? Um, no, I, I think Leonardo's has passed his best. Jorge Leonardo's listen, has had some great wins. He's he's always been a bit of an inconsistent guy himself, to where because his chin was always a bit questionable, and he he would randomly get himself knocked out you know, by by random opponents here and there. So, um, especially you know um, as he gets older, I feel like that puts him more at risk to, for that to happen. I think he'll show some of his veteran savvy in the fight. Um, I think it's a good fight for Haney at this point in his career, uh, on his on his rise up the up the ranks, and I expect Haney to. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a passing of the torch because we kind of already know that Linares is already on the on the on the come down, but it is a big name for for Haney to have on his resume. So it's a nice scalp to pick up, and if Haney can do it in an impressive fashion, that will be even uh, even more uh, even even more. Um, uh, not only important, but also more imp- more impressive in, in the eyes of the fans, the critics, and the media. So, so I, I expect Haney to come out of this. My curiosity is how good does he look in doing it? Because now this is a recognizable opponent, um, even if if it's a fading opponent, it's still a recognizable opponent with a with a very good history on his on, on, on his own resume, which Linares has been a multiple time world champion in multiple weight classes. You know, um, smart. Opposition pick though, because Linares mm. is on the way down. Yep. Um, like I said, I, I said uh, before, Pablo Cano, one of my former opponents, had just stopped Linares not that long ago in one round. You know, but let, Pablo Cano, and I'll tell you this myself, is a weird guy because he shows up randomly motivated <laughs> and he has heavy hands. He has very heavy hands. Pablo Cano is one of the heaviest punchers I fought in my career, but. You're going to put him in a fight one night where he's not even showing up and he barely trained and he couldn't barely make weight. And then you put him in another fight when he's fully motivated and he's really got his guns blazing and he's a tough out for anybody. Yeah. So so I would think Haney beating Kano would be more impressive at this point, especially if Kano knocked out Haney. But I understand it's perception more than reality. And the perception, especially the most casual fans, is Jorge Linares name. So it, it, it's, you're going to get more credit out of beating Jorge Linares than you are about out of beating Pablo Cano. And I think that Haney will do that. Um, but my curiosity is I want to see how good he looks in doing that, how well he executes his game plan. And um, it's, uh, again, something we'll, we all look forward to seeing because he is in the conversation for the big fights at lightweight and super lightweight. It's considered a step up, but is this a bigger step up for him than, say, the Gamboa fight? Same kind of opposition. Um, I think it's slightly better than Gamboa. Uh, I think Gamboa was more shot yeah. than uh, than Leonidas is, uh, but but not by much. You know, I think they're they're both shot fighters. But again, this is not a criticism because this is the way you usually come up the ladder. You know, the, the you you come up the ladder because I, I I like I said I, I still can't consider Haney's WBC title a major world a major world title. So for me, it's part of it's par for the course for the come up. And beating these faded guys. Now, if you're a world champion doing that, it's a bit you you can you can um, attract a bit more criticism, deservedly yeah. so, because world champions are not, spo- not supposed to be fighting guys this faded. But being that personally, I don't see Haney's world title as a, as, as a legitimate world title yet. Um, I don't have a problem with Haney fighting these guys. As a matter of fact, I think it's par for the course, and it's the right way to do it, and it's the right way to make the kid uh, gain confidence, get better, and also become familiar in the eyes of fans because he's beating guys that were known to a lot of fans. Uh, well, Haney doesn't think that. Haney thinks he's a world champion, a full, a full world champion. And they, he they, thinks, this, he thinks this, Lopez, 
shouldn't be calling himself undisputed. This this uh, this generation, they 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 sell themselves. Uh, they they believe their own hype a lot of times. Um, personally, I, I I use my own example with Sanchenko, for example. I I was fighting for the major, the the premier version of the WBA title, and I would not have gone to Ukraine if I if that fight was for the secondary version of the belt. I would yeah. not have gone there. I would not I would not have cared enough to risk my entire career going to a foreign country, risk getting robbed. For a secondary belt, I only reason I went to Ukraine is because I knew it was for the premier version, which today would be called the super title. At that time, the old super title only showed itself in in, in certain circumstances. But I would not have I would not have even bothered going going to Ukraine and put myself in harm's way uh, for a chance to be railroaded or robbed um, for a secondary belt because it, I, because even if I won it, I would not have considered myself a champion. Now that's just, that's not just for me. I think that's in general. When you look at it from a logical standpoint, yeah. there has to be. We already have multiple sanctioning bodies that are major sanctioning bodies, but they have to have one major world title per sanctioning body. You can't have two major world titles per sanctioning body. It's it's it gets on uh, it borders on the ridiculous, if not full blown ridiculous. So if you don't have the premier version of your sanctioning body's world championship, and you are considering yourself a world champion, then myself personally, I don't think you hold yourself to a high enough standard. And maybe you have a you have a an insecurity about whether you can actually win a major world title because you, I, and all of them know that winning the premier version of that world championship will always will be a more difficult fight. Like, yeah. I, and and, I, and this proves it. Haney beating Gamboa and Haney beating Linares is a much tougher fight than Haney fighting Tofima Lopez, who actually has the main title. Mm -hmm. You know, so so you, I, and everybody else know that winning the premier version of the world championship and, uh, with that sanctioning body will always, always, always be a tougher fight, and that's why they created a secondary belt. So if you you can consider yourself a major world champion having the secondary version of the of, of any world championship of any sanctioning body then for me you're holding you're not holding yourself to a high enough standard and for me it's a bit of an insecurity so how do you rank the the let's call it the the modern four kings of, of that division so i'm guessing we've got tank undisputed number one i'm not tank sorry lopez number one where do you go from there where, where are you putting garcia where are you putting Tank and where you put in Haney? Um, Gar I, I was starting to rate Garcia pretty high after the Luke Campbell win because I felt the Luke Campbell win was a better win than Gervonta or Devin Haney had on their on their respective ledgers. Um, I I also feel like Campbell is less was a less shot fighter than is Lenaris or Gamboa, mm -hmm. who who um who both Gervonta and Devin have beaten. But uh, with Ryan kind of leaving the scene right now, it's hard to and then not being consistent at such a young age. It's hard to kind of put him in that position right now. Maybe in the future he'll 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 go back to you know to motivating my mind to consider him more. But right yeah. now I can't consider Ryan uh, while guys like Javante and and Devin are actually pushing their careers. You know, I would have probably looked at Ryan as number two before, but now I'll probably go with Javante number two. Mm -hmm. And Haney number three and Ryan number four yep. uh, out of those guys, but with an eye on their next fight because I don't I don't think Linares is a is a, is is a threat to Haney to beat him, but I want to see how Haney beats Linares. I want to see how he looks. I do think Mario Barrios is a bit of a threat to Gervonta Davis, though. I do think I think Mario Barrios is not known enough. I think it's a I don't I I, don't, I, I think it's a I don't even know if, how much of a calculated risk it is because Mario Barrios, I, I've seen him come up the ladder. He's a pretty good fighter. Granted, there's a lot of pressure on him because this is his biggest fight of his career, but yeah. Mario Barrios can fight. 
Mario Barrios can fight, and yeah. and 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 I don't think he's known enough to where if Javante loses to this guy, you know, it, it, people will understand that he lost to a good fighter. You know, I think Mario Barrios is a good fighter. So, so for me, um, Javante is in a tougher fight. He, and 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 and, it's a, and there's a threat that he can lose. Doesn't I don't think I'm not saying he will lose, but I'm saying the threat is there that he can lose. I don't think Haney can lose to Linares. So the thing I'm looking about for Javante is, yes, I want to see how he wins the fight if he wins it, but also just him winning over Mario Barrios is impressive. Haney just winning over a shot Linares is not impressive. I want to see Haney uh, in in a, in, a, in a good performance and see how he looks in the fight, and then I'll I'll, I'll get a better judgment of them. But right now, I would say. Tilfimo Lopez, Javante Davis, Devin Haney, and Ryan Garcia. With Garcia kind of waiting in the wings, uh, I felt like he was ready to open up, but then he's kind of sat back, and I've got to drop him in the ranking for that reason. Here's a curveball. Lomachenko, what is he? Where, where, where is he? Uh, Lomachenko is interesting because he's also man. fighting soon. I, I think Lomachenko is fighting the same night as Javante, actually, right? I think Javante Davis yeah. and Mario Barrios are fighting the same night as Lomachenko and Nakatani. Credit to Lomachenko. He took on Nakatani because Nakatani was a stubborn opponent for uh, for uh, uh, Tofima Lopez. So he wants to kind of get the comparison there. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a very, very motivated guy. I just feel like at the same time he's sort of obsessed with proving people wrong because I don't think this is his weight class. Just him staying at lightweight puts him at a lot of risk. Yeah. You know, he's just not a lightweight. And it goes to show you his talent, and 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 staying at his ta at, at lightweight and continuing to win at lightweight is never going to be appreciated anyway. People yeah. just don't appreciate this, you know. So so why not just go back down to your own weight class and and go dominate at, at your own weight class? Because at lightweight, you're putting yourself in harm's way from a physical and mental standpoint, and you're putting yourself in crit in, in criticism's way if you don't perform. Uh, at, at lightweight, which is a weight class you don't even belong in. You're clearly smaller than all these guys. Yeah. But his obsession with his and his competitiveness is so strong that it, it puts him here. Um, I Listen, he's so good that he's going to beat Nakatani. Nakatani's no slouch. But, but then again, you put yourself in a position, you're not getting younger, and you're also uh, smaller than all these guys. These guys are all... Uh, Lightweight slash super lightweights, with the exception of Javante, who I think just goes super lightweight for the convenience. But but I think Haney and and uh, um, uh, and Tofimo legitimately won't be able to make the lightweight limit much longer. So they're much bigger than Lomachenko, you know. So so the the more you hang around there, the more you, and the older you're getting because you're older than the whole bunch. The other guys are all young young guys uh, budding into stars, while Lomachenko is kind of on the other end of the of his prime. You're putting yourself more at risk. He's always in the conversation. He's always a terrific fighter. And he may just may beat them. But it's just, it's not going to be appreciated. Yeah. And you hanging around there is not going to be appreciated. And you're putting yourself in a position to be criticized so much more than, than, what, than being praised if you actually do anything there. The, 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 squeeze, the juice is not worth the squeeze, essentially. You know, yeah. like, if, you, if you get beat there, the criticism is this much. If you win there, the, the, the praise is only this much. So it's, it's just, it doesn't add up to me. Um, but Lomachenko is a super competitor, and he deserves credit for thinking this way. I just would just be just throw my hands out at people and say, "Forget, forget this, man. I'm going down 130 pounds." But credit to him for you know staying there. Suppose things will get a lot clearer in the next few weeks. We start working out who beats who and in what fashion, and we'll take it from there. Also, this weekend is Chantal Cameron fighting Melissa Hernandez. Now I know you know her, um, and she's she's not to be kind of looked past, is she? No, she, Melissa is probably getting up there in age. You know, I, I used to train in Gleason's gym with her in the early 2000s. She was very, very slick. I mean, girls say they box guys, but a lot of them 
are not going with guys who are actually hitting them. Like Melissa Hernandez could get in there with guys, and I, guys would have to hit her because she was that good. But she would have nobody taking care of her, so she ended up like having like a you know a, 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 an upside down record at times or whatnot. But she was very very good. She, I think she won world championships regardless of her record. She would have to go into positions where she'd get robbed, where she'd go into these people's hometowns mm -hmm. and whatnot. Very very good fighter. Um, and I, I would I would assume that even at this point in her career, she's probably still not someone to be taken lightly. Even though I assume at her age, she's bringing brought in as the opponent for Cameron. Right. Well, that is it for us this week. Uh, let us know what your predictions are. Who do you think is going to win out of Devin Haney and Linares? Same with Cameron and Hernandez. Uh, as always, remember, like, comment, subscribe. Chelsea are in the top four. All is well in the world. And we will see you next week.